Patrick of Greece and his gritty photographs in the book How the Other Half Lives, Ida Tarbell and her reporting on rot at the heart of the Standard Oil Company in 1902, Upton Sinclair and The Jungle, his novel about meatpacking plants. The stunt reporters are little known, little respected. Some never emerged from undercover. One of these was the woman who wrote the Chicago Times abortion expose in 1888 under the byline Girl Reporter. Her personal story, shards of which can be pieced together from newspaper clippings, legal records, and musty professional directories, offers perhaps the starkest example of these journalists' assertion of a female identity, and its erasure over time. In Illinois, an 1867 statute made it illegal for a doctor to provide an abortion under the penalty of two to ten years in jail. An exception was made for bona fide medical or surgical purposes. By her count, The girl reporter visited more than 200 doctors over three weeks, pleading, crying, taking notes. A medical journal referred to her, sneeringly, as the weeping beauty. She documented fees ranging from $40 to $250, about $1,000 to $6,000 in today's currency. Among those who agreed to perform an abortion or refer her to someone who would was Dr. J. H. Etheridge, president of the Chicago Medical Society. Her series is the earliest known in-depth study of illegal abortion, according to Leslie Reagan, a historian who has written extensively on women's health and the law. Deciphering history, particularly the private lives of women, can be like peering through warped and clouded glass. The girl reporter flung the window open. In scene after scene, people have the kinds of conversations that never make it into textbooks. And while the stated purpose of the expose was the correction of an awful evil, it showed the complexity and nuance of the forbidden practice. It's an extremely rare source, Reagan told me when I called to ask if she had any idea who the reporter might have been. She didn't. It's just kind of this amazing thing. I never found anything like it anywhere else. The Chicago Times was an unlikely candidate for journalistic excellence. Anti-Lincoln and pro-slavery during the Civil War It was infamous for spewing inflammatory rhetoric and unearthing things best left buried. A former reporter summed up its early years this way. Scandals in private life, revolting details from the evidence taken in police court trials, imaginary liaisons of a filthy character, reeked, seethed like a hell's broth in the Times' cauldrons, and made a stench in the nostrils of decent people. But when a new publisher, James J. West, took over at the end of 1887, he determined that it would soon be one of the ablest and handsomest journals in the world and cast about for ways to make that happen. New type, fiction by the British adventure writer H. Ryder Haggard, a time-sponsored plan to find bison in Texas, domesticate them and save them from extinction. A writer would file exclusive reports by carrier pigeon. Nothing worked, though until a schoolteacher turned reporter named Helen Cusack donned a shabby frock and brown veil and went looking for a job in the rainy July of 1888. In factories and sweatshops, she stitched coats and shoe linings, interviewed her fellow workers in hot, unventilated spaces, and did the math. At the Excelsior Underwear Company, she was handed a stack of shirts to sew, 80 cents a dozen, and then was charged 50 cents to rent the sewing machine, and 35 cents for thread. Nearby, Another woman was being yelled at for leaving oil stains on chemises. She'd have to pay to launder them. But worse than broken shoes, ragged clothes, filthy closets, poor light, high temperature, and vitiated atmosphere was the cruel treatment by the people in authority, 
she wrote under the byline Nell Nelson. Her series, City Slave Girls, ran for weeks. Circulation surged, and West doubled down on stunt reporting. He approached Charles Chapin, his city editor, and revealed his newest brainstorm. Horrified, calling it the yellowest idea he'd ever heard in a newspaper office, Chapin refused to have anything to do with it. He thought West had forgotten about it, even when the publisher requested a bright man and a woman reporter for a special assignment. But in early December, Chapin recalled, he went into the composing room and saw the headline, Chicago Abortioners. He quit before the paper hit the streets. That exact wording doesn't appear in the series, but Chapin's memory might have faded. He wrote his account 32 years later, in Sing Sing, where he was serving time for killing his wife. In the initial articles, under the all-caps headline, Infanticide, a male reporter asked cabman where he could find relief for a relative who had been...